Welcome to Bickering Peaks. With Aiden and Lindsay. Welcome to Bickering Peaks. I'm Aiden. I'm Lindsay. Wait, we did that backwards this time. <gasps> it's fine. It's fine. They still know where they're going. They're coming to Bickering Peaks. Uh, and this week you are coming here to listen to uh, an episode devoted to the deadly look of love. Yes, which we were both wrong on when we discussed. Uh, if you remember in our last episode when we were discussing the straight story, we tried to guess what this film would be about. And we were both wrong. There Way was yeah. There was not really much of an investigation. There was no detective. Nope. There was just... Um, Fatal Attraction. Yeah. For the early 2000s crowd. Mm-hmm. The early noughties. <laughs> Thank you for using that <laughs> phrase already. It was all I was waiting for for uh, this of episode. Course, and of you've, uh, you've popped that naughty cherry there. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yes, it is uh, Mark Frost Project, uh, just to be clear, uh, a made-for-TV movie Yeah, on the Lifetime Network. Yes. It aired um, in July of 2000. Um, he wrote it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's He's a producer as well, I believe. Was he a producer? Yeah, I think I saw that in the okay. credits, yep. Um, it's star Jordan Ladd, who is the daughter of Cheryl Ladd, I believe. And oh. the, I think, Alan Ladd is her grandfather. Wow. All the lads. The lads coming out. two Ds. Yep. Um, and Vincent Spano plays her love interest, her beleaguered love interest, I suppose. Yep. Um, but yeah, basically it is. It's Fatal Attraction rehashed. Yes, and updated and then kind of bizarrely whipped into a lifetime movie formula. Yeah. In in some ways. And with a happy ending for the heroine question yeah, mark? Maybe. I'm for not sure. Society? I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> well, I don't know about society, but no. anyway, before we get too far down the rabbit hole, um, let's talk briefly about the plot. So we have Janet Flanders, mm-hmm. played by Jordan Ladd, who is in an extramarital affair with another gentleman um, who seems to be very cavalier about this affair because he sets her up with one of his friends from out of town or something named Brett. And that's basically it, really, (laughs) is that you have this this woman named Janet and Brett who is um, entranced by Janet and... Well, initially, conducts initially, and, yes, and, and she is very entranced with him. Well, yes, but I think she she pursues the men that she wants mm-hmm. in flagrant disregard of whatever else is happening. It seems like she is so single mindedly focused on having marriage and happy ending and all of that, that she doesn't care who gets hurt in the process. She's a pathological liar. Um, Psychotic, I would say. I would say, yeah. yeah, She she borders on on psychosis and takes down, well, I mean, her first lover dies. Her second lover ends up in jail at the end of the film uh, for murdering his own wife. She killed both of them, yeah. the the wife and her first lover. Um, and it's it's kind of hinted at that she's done this before. Yeah. So the deadly look of love is obviously when Janet falls in love with you, someone in your life is going to die or yeah. you will die. Yeah. Because that's how Janet, that's how focused Janet gets on, on what she wants. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's really, that's really. That's the story it, in a nutshell, yes. Yeah. Um, it, it's about an hour and a half long, mm-hmm. made for TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. Yeah, it's it's a very uh, well. We'll get into this in a bit, but it it is very lifetime, but at the same time, not your typical lifetime uh, film. Right. In that 
there's some twists and turns that I didn't see coming. I mean, I kind of did. And and this is what, I mean, again, we will talk about this at the end when uh, Aiden's brought up some good points about how that feels very Frostian. Mm -hmm. Uh, It feels like like Mark Frost's fingerprints all over Lifetime, which is... Yeah, a strange. Mix. It's a yeah. strange mix to begin with. Yeah, but then to actually watch it and and to be honest, we watched the first maybe twenty minutes of it. We were like, okay, this is lame. This yeah. is really not a good film. And then all of a sudden, I think it was when her first boyfriend mm. was killed in this huge fire at his yeah. hotel. Yeah, is it a hotel? he seemed to be living in a motel. Yeah, it was odd. Yeah, um, but that's when Aiden and I both turned to each other and were like, like "What God, just happened?" She's a serial killer or yeah. something. And it was it was an abrupt shift, and yeah. it was interesting that way. So, mm. yeah, it is. It's Frostian lifetime. I yeah. think that is a good yeah. summary of yeah. the feel. So, uh, so what is a lifetime movie though? What is, is a because, lifetime movie? I mean, we say that if you don't live in the United States, you don't have or access Canada. to lifetime. Yeah, well, it's also in the UK and Ireland, and uh, I'm sure most English-speaking countries yes, have, have made-for-TV movies that follow well, the yeah, lifetime and, script. And lifetime is uh, branched out, and we now in Canada have a lifetime channel dedicated that's you know basically rebroadcasting right. the stuff they produce in the states. Well, and then there's the W Network, and there's the Hallmark Channel, and and they all kind of fit that same mold. But Aiden, you've done a little bit of research about lifetime. Have yeah, and it, it's it is well. I guess I read the Wikipedia entry. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, it's, you know this great research here. Uh, but it is it's a it's a network designed for uh, addressing women's topics and issues mm-hmm. is basically how it's presented. Mm-hmm. Um, but these aren't cutting edge women's topics and issues. Right. The, these are traditional kind of. Uh, I would say small C conservative uh, women's issues about, you know, marriage and finding a man, keeping a man, motherhood, uh, motherhood. Exactly. Yeah. There might be that it's, it's a lot of, you know, single mom husband was either left them or died tragically, you know, have to rebuild their life. It's eat, pray, love with a kid thrown in. And Uh, and, probably no trip to India. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's super low budget. These films as well. If they're going anywhere, they're going to California on a beach that the studio already owns. But they're all, interestingly, a lot of these are um, set in small towns in, you know, the Northeast United States or the Midwest. Um, Very wholesome, uh, broadly uh appealing places yes filmed in canada a lot of them on yep. the cheap like yep. we said but um yeah so they they try and hit as many of the 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 target demographic as possible which mm-hmm. is your average white suburban or suburban rural, small or, town yes yeah, small town female viewer between the ages of say 30 and 55 yeah around there that's their target demographic and so and this and especially in this time period that was a huge demographic that was was. you know those were still baby boomers at this point in time Mm -hmm. in that area they had a lot of money uh you know it's a very profitable ad revenue for this when you have two hour time slot and an hour and a half worth of film that's that's a quarter of the time we're spent watching ads this is a very profitable uh, enterprise well, and if you look time. back in time to the original soap operas that mm-hmm. were the first television yeah, programming yeah. that was that was aimed at stay-at-home moms and housewives um literally called soap operas because they use those hours to sell them cleaning products yeah, yeah. so i i mean i haven't watched a lifetime movie on the lifetime network or w network or any own any of those networks 
um, in a very long time just because we did cut the cable. So we don't have, <laughs> yeah, we don't have, we have anymore. CBC. That's yeah. basically but it. We, but we did used to, I mean. And, and I do remember the yeah. commercials, but I don't remember specifically what those commercials would be if oh, they're. Well, yeah, it's, it's the opposite of sports networks where it's, yeah. it's hyper masculine, you know, video games and, and cleaning. Energy like, drinks. Energy drinks, I guess. And yeah, there's a Burger lot of Burger places. Yeah. Fast Deodorants. food restaurants. Deodorant. Shaving Old creams. Yeah, exactly. So I, I can imagine that this would be Mr. Clean and. Uh, Tampons. Tide. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, things that you might need to use in your maybe medical. I, I know in the United States there is yeah, medical be, advertising, yeah. which doesn't happen here in Canada. Yeah. But um, yeah, so things like that that I would imagine would be the popular. So yeah, definitely the whole thing is just aimed at this this demographic, which has shifted since then, since mm-hmm. the early 2000s. But um, yeah, at that time, it seemed like that was still, there were still people, there were still women who um, were struggling to figure out how to have it all. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really a time yes. when, when you had a lot of people who were... Um, it, it was it was kind of still seen as as a radical act to be a woman who worked outside of the home, yeah. which is strange to think about it only being, you well, know, it was radical years ago, to, but to some. I would yes, say a it was radical to the Lifetime Network viewers. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, now that's it's it's almost impossible to be someone who who only works in the home. It's, yeah. it's really hard to make a living and to make ends meet, especially in America yeah. and in Canada where the middle class is shrinking as we're told every day. Mm. Uh, so yeah, looking back at this time period, it does seem like it, it encapsulates a very, um, a very early two thousands mentality, mm-hmm. not just where, where it concerns the, um, the financial or the economic or the yeah. the societal shift of that demographic. But I think, Aiden, you've also mentioned that it, it kind of feels like it addresses similar feminist topics Yeah, it, it from ha- that time period. Exactly. It has that kind of, uh, yeah, it just, it has that speci- particular feel of, um, you know, a woman trying to, uh, yes, have a man, but also be, uh, you know, financially independent, you know, she has her own apartments and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very, it's kind of like a pre-sex in the city kind of thing, but then it it twists it on its head by kind of infantilizing uh, Joanna. Janet. Janet. I literally just said it like 10 minutes ago. Well, 10 minutes was 10 (laughs) minutes ago, Lizzie. Uh, But yeah, I mean, she, at the end, she's just literally doing like cross-stitching or something like that on, you know, in her trial as she gets put on trial for the murder of the the wife. Um, you know, and, and she's, she's kind of, uh, yeah, very childishly portrayed. Like mm-hmm. she just wants what she wants and she goes right. and gets it. Right. And, and it's, 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 uh, yeah, it's this kind of like psychotic femme fatale archetype that just feels incredibly shallow now. Well, um, and- but at the time it would have been like this revolutionary act to have a woman who can be as crazy and psycho as, you know, uh, uh, what's Glenn his name? Close and fatal attraction. Well, no, <laughs> Yes, of course, if you want to bring it back to the obvious <laughs> archetype. But yeah, it, it but it, exactly. But when did Fatal Attraction come out? That was in 88 yeah, or something yeah. like that. Uh, so this is 12 years later. And now the Lifetime crowd is kind of catching up sure. to that. So again, for that audience, it, it feels very trapped in that that kind of mentality. I almost wonder, though, if this is and I don't mean to like pop the balloon that no, you've no, got no, going go here, but um, this idea that, you know, if we're if we're talking about uh, a channel and a network and an audience that is, you know, a decade or two behind the times, this is when second wave feminism was going to start becoming 
popular. I mean, I, I heard on the radio the other day that it was only like 25 years ago or 30 years ago that um, maybe not even that long ago that women were allowed to wear pants on the floor of Congress and the Senate. I mean, that's some yeah. that's some stuff from the 70s that, yeah. that just trickled in in the 90s. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so. 30 years ago, that would have been the 80s. But yes, I, I think yeah, it was yeah. earlier. It was later than yeah, that. I think yeah. it was only about 20 years ago. But um, 93. Oh, OK. Yeah. 93. So 25 years yeah, ago. Yeah. Um, so if this is the crowd that is this is this, I feel like the lifetime crowd would have been somebody who would have said, oh, women shouldn't should only wear skirts on the yeah. on the floor. Mm-hmm. This is this is abominable yeah right so to have a woman like janet in this role pushing back against what would normally be considered proper yeah feminine and and womanly things like she's she yes okay she's going after her man she's Mm -hmm. going after um marriage and she's going after all of these traditional Yes. But the rules, but the way, but the way, the she's, way doing she's doing it, yeah. it almost feels like a condemnation of that feminist yeah. streak that would have already peaked and third wave feminism was starting to come in in yeah. in most social circles. But for some parts of middle America, I feel like this was the time when all of that second wave feminism was hitting a, a, a saturation point. Yeah, almost. yeah, it, yeah. Well, we're starting to impact accepted. them. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. So. I feel like this is almost, yeah, like a condemnation of the kind of second wave Gloria Steinem, um, mm-hmm. 1960s and 70s feminism, just because of the way that Janet is portrayed. Yeah, it's true. And it does, at the same time, though, and we can get into this in a second, I feel like the, the show purposely uh, leads you into wanting to cheer for Janet uh, in the first third mm-hmm. until that reveal of her as as murderer comes out. So it, 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 in some ways it can kind of, uh, it's supporting a positive reading of Janet and then it's subverting it at the end. Um, I'm not sure I follow about the positive reading of Janet. Well, no, okay. Okay. For the audience, the first third of the film is straight up lifetime movie. She's just falling in love with guys and writing in her diary and saying, Oh, I'm so happy now when it happens to you, you just know you're going to be so special. That's pure lifetime. Movie. Right. That is exactly what your average lifetime uh, viewer of the period would probably expect to see in their lifetime movie mm-hmm. is a woman leaving the the bad boyfriend who, you know, was cheating on her and is mean to her for the new nice guy from the, with the big fancy car it's actually a Miata, but, uh, you know, the fancier <laughs> car and the the great job in Chicago and everything. Right. Um, you know, that's that's what happens in a Lifetime movie. It's compressed in, to all happen in the first uh, 30 minutes. Right. And then when that switch is thrown, mm-hmm. it, it's it's like, oh, what's going on? No, I thought I was in this for a Lifetime movie. What is this? She's the killer. Right. What, how is this working? Like, right. And that's a very... Uh, abrupt shift so it seems to be like subverting the the expectation of okay you're gonna get your lifetime movie then you're gonna get a mark frost movie right, <laughs> after that right right, right. and that's kind of uh what, okay. what happened yeah i kind of get it and and that brings up one of the points that i wanted to talk about because i've watched a lot of these lifetime movies and mm-hmm. and i do feel like i am the target demographic and it the 
it worked on me <laughs> because um, I've watched all of the Good Witch films, for example, and I own a few Hallmark DVDs. This is, you, you know, my you, embarrassing. Sue Thomas FBI. Is Sue Thomas FBI is one of my series. favorite TV shows of all time. Yeah. I don't know why it just is. It, well, and they're 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 simple to watch. They're calming. You know, they are. You know, they're just they're great entertainment for if you just want to turn your brain off for a bit and just watch and enjoy the. Which doesn't say much for the average lifetime viewer, I have to admit. We sound really (laughs) condescending about this. This is me trying to say I'm not being condescending because I love this shit. Like Mm -hmm. I eat it up and I'm not ashamed to say it that these are these are my bread and butter. But I, I watch this film and I can't figure out if this film is meant to speak to me yeah i don't know who the audience is for this and i i'm not sure that that was lifetime's uh, yeah. mistake quote unquote to hiring mark frost to <laughs> yeah, write to a write lifetime this, yeah. film um i think he did what he normally does with a film is is put his spin on it mm-hmm. but because it doesn't it's not it doesn't have a happy ending. No. There there really isn't a happy ending. The girl that that you should root for and that the the woman watching it should identify with is somebody who murders people. Yeah. I mean, that's and maybe there are people out there who who feel a certain catharsis when they watch a show <laughs> like this and or a film like this and yeah. they say, you know, I wish I could kill my cheating boyfriend or yeah. I wish I could kill the guy who broke my heart. Um but I feel like these are wish fulfillment fantasies. That's what Lifetime dabbles yeah. in is this wish fulfillment. So, you know, when you have a, a thing like The Good Witch where, you know, she comes into town and she's the outsider and then she charms the police chief and mm-hmm. his kids. And yeah, she's a witch. She's an outsider. She And literally she casts spells. So, I mean, it's not like up for debate. Yeah. But she also is... Um, worthy of love and and that's the point is that um every woman is worthy of love so it gives these women who uh watch these shows uh an opportunity to look at something else and and imagine that it could be better for them too yeah and i don't feel like this film does that no, it kind it doesn't not. at all no, at the end right? it's very like oh my god like it's it's unsettling, like I, right? I almost feel like we when when we do meet um brett brett's wife whose name i forget yeah um she's the one that i feel sorry for yeah because she's the one who these women who watch these shows me watching the show i think oh my god my husband who's sitting across from me whom i love dearly um could be cheating on me with the hoe he almost hit with his car in the parking lot when he was on his last business trip and she could be crazy and she could murder me when I'm on out of town, you know, and or out at the cabin. Do you have a cabin? Aiden? I don't have you a don't cabin. You don't have a cabin? Sorry. Okay, yeah. good. You'll have to be murdered here, I'm afraid. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's like that to me and if, you know, putting myself in the, in the shoes of the average lifetime viewer, that would scare me. That yeah. wouldn't comfort me. So I don't know what lifetime was expecting. I don't know how they yeah. expected this to go. I don't know if they wanted Mark Frost to just be a big name that was attached to this project or if he was doing it just for a paycheck, which there is absolutely no shame in doing. No. But I'm sure lifetime pays okay. Yeah. I'm sure they do. <laughs> it's like Harlequin romance novels. Yeah. I have no, I read them all the time. I have no qualms with them. If you're writing them, good for you. I wish I could get in on that. That would be amazing. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, I don't know what they expected because this, this doesn't feel like 
like a, a heartwarming. It's not no, a it's, heartwarming, it's not at all. positive, wish fulfillment fantasy. No, and it, and I think uh, it's basically what we've been saying from the very beginning. It's mm-hmm. it's lifetime meets Mark Frost, so mm-hmm. it has, and I think uh, that's something Mark Frost does generally uh even in twin peaks and uh hill street blues and so forth mm-hmm. is he takes the convention and then he'll he'll twist it just enough um, to make it fresh or to, to make, make it, it yeah to change yeah. it but in this film in particular he did that in that very particular way of the film is broken into very clear thirds mm. there's, there's the first third of pure lifetime movie uh where she's cheated on uh, or the, it's not that she's up. cheated on no, 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 because no, her, he's also married and she's the she's the other woman. Yeah. So that also no no no. I, I meant the first them. boyfriend. You know, kind of dumps her by getting her to sleep with and fall in love with right. Brett. It's, right. it's confusing. Uh, but anyways, there's that first third of Lifetime. Then there's the middle third, which is very thriller. It's very uh, because you realize, oh my god, she's a killer. She's dangerous. What's going to happen? And it builds this tension uh, about: Is she going to murder Brett? Is she going to go and murder his wife? Uh, and eventually, she does murder the wife. But there's this, you know, really eerie scene where she could have murdered the wife. Um, she walks in to deliver like a, a care package to their new home that she's been stalking and stuff. Mm. Um, and she walks out kind of in this eerie kind of pose and you're like oh my god she murdered the wife and then it turns out no she didn't yet um so it's like this delayed it's a very uh it's actually pretty kind of tense like yeah, for, no, for a lifetime was, movie yeah. i was like oh my god did she kill her already yeah. no no she didn't oh my god mm-hmm. is she gonna do it now mm-hmm. or is she gonna kill brett like you're still wondering these mm-hmm. things which is kind of interesting um and then after she does murder uh brett's wife uh she will uh uh, goes she goes on trial because right. Brett quickly identifies that uh, oh this charm bracelet uh, that was found at the murder scene that's the exact same one as as hers right. as Janet's so then it becomes a courtroom drama for right. the last third and you're introduced to like her defense lawyer mm-hmm. uh, becomes a major character uh, that we've I'm never met before Holland Taylor who is yeah. a, a fairly fairly familiar face yeah. for anybody watching yeah. Um, and it and it becomes a very Law and Order esque uh, mm. court scene, and it's actually again I'm using this word because again personally I didn't have much expectation for a Lifetime right. movie, um, but it's actually kind of engaging because the way they film the murder sequence, um, there's some ambiguity there. Right? Did uh, Janet actually kill it and kill the the wife, or um, did Brett? Do or it? did Brett do it? Right. And it's not immediately. I mean, it's obvious. In while you're watching that sequence that you're supposed to believe it's Janet. But then as you go through the courtroom scene, the lawyer starts making points. You're like, oh, yeah, we did see that. Oh, yeah, there was this. What? Why did he do this? And, and where and was this knocking this whole, going on? This whole thing with her, uh, his wife's trust fund and, and yeah. how they've signed a prenup. And, um, yeah, but, she, but he's in the will. So if she yeah, dies, he gets exactly. the money. So it does yeah. like it was... It's not the smartest writing because those no. things were kind of shoehorned in earlier yeah. in the film. Yeah. You could so see them coming a mile away. You, but you, maybe you didn't necessarily know how they were going to come back exactly. in ex- the exact fashion they would come back. So yeah. when they do come back, it's kind of like, oh, okay, now I understand why they mentioned that, yeah. you know, 35 minutes ago. Yeah. And and it, it but it, but it still works mm-hmm. in a way. It is mm-hmm. still oddly kind of captivating because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, is she going to get away with it? Right. And then she has like this mental insanity defense and they do like this uh, this truth serum Yeah, test and doesn't scene. she beat it? Yeah. Like, she, how does she beat that? Yeah, so, like, well, so, is she actually psychotic? Exactly. You're wondering this, right? So this is where um, that kind of Mark Frost touch where we're not really sure... And for a moment there, I thought, okay, maybe she's got some kind of this charm bracelet is imbued with some kind of 
witch doctor, yeah, you know, yeah. powers. There's some supernatural abilities going on there because, you know, it's whatever the, the truth serum is that she's using, they expect it to just break through this, this haze of her memories of yeah. the night that the wife was murdered yeah. and and it doesn't work and yeah. so you either she's a criminal mastermind or there's something else going on there yeah. and and it's interesting just to the 90s were very concerned with truth serum like it was a yeah. very cliche plot point in a lot of things like it doesn't actually work apparently I, I was looking that up too the yeah day. The, uh, this this makes 12 year old Lindsay very sad because right? that was that was the plot point for so, so many, many of the stories, stories that right? I wrote in junior high that and quicksand like those were the two things that you, you expected know, to encounter a lot, a lot more in life you just don't and it's it's a shame really <laughs> um but yeah so I mean uh, so this courtroom scene kind of takes over and it has its uh, life of its own. And then all of a sudden, the last two shots, uh, Brett is in jail for murdering his wife right. because there was all this, uh, you know. Which uh, I thought was funny because it, it ended up the courtroom scene for Janet's trial ended up being Brett on trial. Yeah. Which then immediately jumped to him being in jail. It's like they skipped over his trial. You yeah. can't just be a witness at somebody else's trial and then go to jail for that crime. Well, they, I mean, they, they kind of hinted that it was a little while later. But I'm yes, sure, yeah. but still. But yeah, and then the last scene is her writing him a letter uh, from California where yeah. she's wound up. Uh, and she meets someone new and you're like, of course she's going to murder this guy. Yeah, yeah, because she's got her charm bracelet back and it has mm-hmm. the the rings of the, the wife that she's murdered. It, it was kind of like, wow, okay, that, that took me in an interesting direction. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in that way, again, very Frostian. It mm-hmm. adds, uh, you know, a layer of um, the unexpected um, with a bit of suspense, mm-hmm. a bit of police work, mm-hmm. you know, a bit of uh, the legal system, I'll say, mm-hmm. at least. And then, yeah, threw it on top of this other uh, type of drama, I guess. Yeah. And it came out with something actually kind of interesting. Again, It did, it did remind me a lot of um, Storyville, mm-hmm. which Aiden, you brought up in our pre-show discussion. Um, But as much as, as the film, the plot of the film feels like just a a watered down rehash of fatal attraction, which literally was the most terrifying film for a lot of people when they saw it. And that's another thing I wanted to bring up that I didn't bring up before was that um, that film scared men and empowered women. Yeah. And I don't know if men watch Lifetime, I, I honestly don't know of any personally, but um, if you were a dude watching this, I, I feel like this would probably also scare you a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it just, it, it, it's not as terrifying. Yeah. So it, it is just this watered down version of Fatal Attraction, but, but it did strike me as very similar to like Storyville where there's, you know, a love story and an illicit romance mm-hmm. and then this legal you know fallout kind of kind of yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. they kind of rumbles underneath it and then becomes the the finale of the piece and um minus the gun-toting judge obviously yeah. there was not that in, I mean, in the deadly no, love no but um that might have been, been a, it, well i think it would have been a bridge too far yeah, it probably. would have taken it into comic levels yeah unbelievable yeah. unbelievable stuff. but um yeah. but yeah so uh the links to other Mark Frost mm-hmm. productions, I think Storyville comes to mind immediately. Yeah. Um, were there any other links that you thought um, of? No, that was the the major one. I think uh, it, a little bit in the believers in the sense that you, again, don't know whether did Santeria really, right. you know, cause things and is it really helping 
you know, the, the family at the end, or is it, you know, kind of a placebo? Like, mm-hmm. was she really crazy? Doesn't really answer that. Um, it doesn't it, need to. It doesn't need to. And I think I mean, that's, I like that. that's fun too, because everybody always thinks that Mark Frost is the guy who wants to answer all of these questions. He's the guy who writes the final dossier in order to give us all the answers we want to all the questions we have about Twin Peaks. Uh, clearly, Mark Frost is not interested in answering the question, is Janet crazy? But but it, he does come right out and answer, like, did she kill the wife? Yes. The last scene you see that she has the rings. Yes. And she, he didn't need to. No. He could have just left it at the trial where it's kind of unclear. Mm-hmm. At the end of the trial, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, well, maybe he did it. Maybe she did it. And he could have left it at that. But he doesn't. He answers the key question, which is very... Well, uh, yeah, and, and I, ask, now I right? wonder if if the film would have been stronger had it ended on that note mm-hmm. of ambiguity. Yeah. Not with the end of the courtroom scene, but with, you know, Brett going to jail and Janet leaving for California and just writing the letter and meeting the guy at the Or even just meeting the guy. And or even just, just meeting the guy, You yeah. see her, like, fall into the same pattern, but it doesn't explain the pattern. It doesn't no. confirm that, yes, she killed the two other guys. You never really find out that the, the other guy was murdered in the fire. They no, just explain, just, like, oh, yeah, they found out it was an accident. Like the, right. And that's another thing. Maybe the police did a good job, and it actually was an accident. Right. And Janet just took the ring and added it to her collection just because. Yeah. Um, there's still that ambiguity there. It could have been possible that way. Right, right, right. So, um, so if they if it had ended on that on that note of ambiguity regarding yeah. Brett's wife, would it have been a strong I, I would have liked it, yeah. I think, I yes, but at the same time, I don't think it would have been Mark Frost. I think Mark Frost likes to leave some ambiguity, but not mm. as much as, say, David Lynch. Right. I, I think that's something right. we can confirm after watching all of uh, Mark Frost's uh, back catalog here. Yeah. Uh, that, that does seem to be his kind of... Uh, his wheelhouse. Yeah, his wheelhouse. Sure, <laughs> it is we'll his call wheelhouse. Yeah. To answer more questions and he leaves unanswered. Mm-hmm. Um, were there any links to Twin Peaks that you found in the film? No. Not really. <laughs> I was trying and I, I couldn't think of anything. Aside no. from having a, a little bit of police work. Yeah. Some affairs, some soapy elements. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the soap. Yeah. I think that, yeah, is a good time. Probably the only thing that, that would work would be the. Um, the fact that it's a genre that get, then gets twisted and turned and mm-hmm. mixed up. So um, it, it does it does strike me that the early seasons, the first season of and second season of Twin Peaks that had, you know, defy classification. We've talked about this a lot, that yeah. it's a police procedural and it's a supernatural thriller and it's a soap opera. And yeah. it's all of these things, mm-hmm. a comedy, a drama, yeah. all rolled into one. Yeah. And that feels like um, Mark Frost's doing. Yeah. I I want to go back and listen to our early podcasts and find out if we thought it was Mark Frost's doing or how much yeah. we, we how much credence we gave to the idea that, that this was all David Lynch. Yeah. Because people still like to say that yep. as much as we've seen the influence of Mark Frost in, yeah, all, in all yeah, of everything the Twin Peaks. Now, but yeah, um, yeah so I, I would say that's, that is a unique calling card for for Mark Frost. I think that's something he likes to do. I, I can't stake my reputation on that, nope. having not spoken to the man, but <laughs> I, I but would that, venture, I guess, yes, that, that, yes. that he likes to mix things up, put them in a blender and see what happens. Yeah. So. So, next up, we have... Mulholland Drive. Mulholland I'm Drive. I'm so excited. Yay. <laughs> uh, this is my all-time favorite David Lynch film. It still is, even though we have... Twin Peaks season three, I'm making air quotes here, 18 hour movie. 
No, Mulholland Drive, Mulholland Drive is one of the greatest films of the 21st century. Well, I'm, I'm, some, I will stake my reputation. Yeah, on no, that. and a lot of people say it is the best yeah. film of the 21st century. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and it is, it's something. I love watching it. Like, Glenn's yeah. like, do we have to watch it again? We've watched it like a dozen times. We're like, <laughs> yes, we're watching it again. Any chance we can get. Because uh, it's, it's just, it's great to watch. And uh, yeah, we're going to have a lot to say about that one, I'm sure, next week. Yeah. Although a lot of it's been said. I <laughs> that, yeah, that is I one of those I, films that everybody's kind of written think pieces everybody's mm-hmm. analyzed it there's so much good analysis out there already yes. that we probably won't be able to add much but we can give it our take and we'll yeah. we'll try and tie it back to um the return and and what have you because there are definitely you know uh, even just in the casting there's there's always those connections that we can talk about plus it's nice to be able to connect it with the other um the california trilogy mm-hmm. uh or the the i don't know what it, what else would it be called yeah the california the trilogy. california trilogy I'm sure that's it, it. yep yep so that's, I mean, that that's next, or not next week, but two weeks from now. Yeah, so, it's very um, exciting. Yeah. If you are interested in watching The Deadly Look of Love, it is available on many different formats and many different websites, a few times on YouTube, I think. Yeah. So we'll throw up one of those links and you can uh, take a gander if you're interested. It's fairly low quality. Yeah. You know, was, it's, it's yeah, it like, was like a VHS recording turned into like a 240p put onto a record player (laughs) and then you know analog put back into digital i mean it's really bad it's pretty rough but um but it's it's there you get the point you Mm -hmm. don't really need to see the details because it's everything is telegraphed quite broadly yes um but yeah, if you're if you're interested and you watch it, uh, send us a uh, drop us a line. Let us know what you thought of the of the deadly look of love. Did we get it wrong? Are you a lifetime fan as well? I think everybody is. I think everybody should watch lifetime more lifetime films. I think the world would be a happier place if we all just you know sat down with our popcorn and watched what Hallmark. lifetime is to you Lindsay, is what marvel is to me okay I really just, I, everybody would no. be much happier if <laughs> they just emulated the black panther the whole time uh in this, any case this conversation has gotten very strange very quickly <laughs> a quick note uh we are trying out some new audio setup here we've rearranged our office and we're, we're testing out some different settings so if it sounds a little different this week that's why uh, we're going to keep keep probably making some adjustments and changes in in future episodes as well um, so bear with us through that. And if it becomes so bad that you just can't take it, just send us an email and, and complain directly. Uh, Lindsay answers those emails. So, uh, she will be happy to take your complaints. And, uh, and now that I it. have, now that I have an actual desk for the first time since I lived at yeah. home, yeah. So, so I, I will have, I, I have the space to answer those angry emails. So the subtweet of that is that Aiden's been, uh, dominating most of the office space in the, in our little, uh, second bedroom slash For the last office. seven years. Yeah. So we We've decided to turn it into a joint office. So now Aiden has headphones and Lindsay has everything else in the office and we're going to share and everything's going to be great. Right, Linz? Absolutely. <laughs> Yay. So we'll uh, see you next week. We won't see them. Uh, we'll talk to you in two weeks. Just Aiden, okay? Aiden, as I tell my ninth graders, okay, your words have power. You give them power. You need to be mindful of what you say. If you're enjoying the show and want to join the conversation, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bickeringpeaks, all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter, that's at bickeringpeaks. Or you can head over to iTunes and leave us a review or comment. We'd love to hear from you.